we have been in a series here for about four weeks. This is the fourth week. And the title of the series was The Best Christmas Ever. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What would it take for you to look back at the season and say, man, this was the greatest Christmas that we've ever had. And the first week, I'm going to put some things of what we covered the first couple of weeks. And the first one is this, choose joy. Choose joy. A key passage we looked at was Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice a command, and we can choose rejoicing. Grumpy people aren't fun at Christmas time. Now, if you're grumpy, smile. Okay, a bunch of you are grumpy here today. <laughs> Second one, we said this, choose rest. Now, understand this, during this time of the year and the pace of the year, oftentimes we think of physical rest But really where I was aiming at is this idea of spiritual rest. And I want to read the passage that we looked at. Matthew 11, 28, it says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We find rest in Jesus. But the third one, last week we said this, Choose to, to see like Jesus. When you look at this idea of Jesus, we want to see people differently. And God calls us to be used at this time of the year. And the passage that I I used is from Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He invites us to see people differently and be used in his kingdom. But today we come to the last of this series, and I believe by choosing this, it not only can make your Christmas grand and great, but I think it has the potential to even you think of 2018 next year, and you go, I think this could be the best year ever if we're willing to do this. And I'll put that on the screen. Choose Jesus and worship him above all else. See, Christmas is a challenge. Uh, You think of the pace of this kind of time of the year, and I think the challenge is that we forget to slow down, and it's easy then to really ignore the person of Christ, the person of Jesus. But let me begin with a verse that I think is a summary of the whole season of Jesus sending his son into the world. And you know this verse, I suspect many of you do. If you you don't know it, you've probably seen it at a baseball game. John 3.16. And and here's what I'd like us to do. I I would like us as a group, as all of everyone here today, to speak this with me and declare of what Jesus has done. So would you with me say this together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, Christmas declares that God has sent his son into the world because he loves you and me. And if that's not great news, if that's not a reason to celebrate and to not be grumpy, I don't know what is. But the history of Christmas, 2,000 plus years ago, And I want to review that story. And many times in a service like this, you read the Christmas story. But I want to do it just a little bit different today. And uh, I want to play a song, and there's a video with it, 
that gives a summary of really the totality of what Christmas is all about. So Nancy, you want to play that video? A baby is born, a baby that has the power to change every life in this room and the power to change our lives all the way through eternity. But I think here's the challenge of Christmas. Too often we make Christmas just about the family and and particularly I I think the children and the grandchildren. Uh, Even my son and his family are up here from Texas and how, how much it focuses on that. But we buy presents and we make special desserts and we cook the ham and the turkey and all the fixings with it. You say that, you're probably hungry right now. You're waiting for supper, aren't you, aren't you tonight? But the reality is, you know, you could have stayed home and watched a favorite Christmas movie with the family. But I think as you focus on that, I, I think it's appropriate for us to ask, is Christmas just about kids and gifts, and meals. See, at the end of the holiday, we can have tons of wonderful experiences, but do those equal the best Christmas ever? See, is it possible that we're missing something? Something is coming up short in making this really the best Christmas ever. That song, A Baby Changes Everything, declares the why and the what that Jesus is coming to this earth. But today, I need to push you just a little bit farther. And I'm going to ask you to think just a little bit deeper here today. Now, I realize, and I don't know if you realize, but it is so easy to miss something at Christmas, and it is so subtle. But it's so important. Let me put on the screen something that we miss at Christmas time. We can miss the incarnation. Now, some of you maybe are not aware of that word. It's a very, it's a heavy word, and not a lot of Christians use it, and many don't even know what it means. Some people think it's the virgin birth, but that's not really it at all. You know, we emphasize that at Christmas, but the incarnation is different. Understand, it refers to the choices and the actions that took place by a sovereign God. See, it was about the Son of God who was fully God, who was the creator of the universe, choosing to become a man, a human. The Son of God took on flesh, and became fully and truly human. Let me show you a passage in the Bible, book of Philippians chapter 2. Look how it reads, Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now, the incarnation, God becoming man, it's hard to get our minds wrapped around that concept. See, it involves a miracle, a mystery, and frankly, I think it's above my mental pay grade. 
But it doesn't mean that we can't, to some degree, understand it. And I think this, we must appreciate it. So today, can I submit that too often, the incarnation gets overlooked at Christmas time. And if we slow down enough to grapple with the magnitude of this issue, Christmas will become bigger. The incarnation helps Christmas in every aspect of the story become more important. But here's the challenge. The pace again at this time of the year. And the incarnation is a heavy doctrine. It's a heavy thought. And we get busy. And I think it's hard this time of the year to think heavy and to think complicated. So it's easy to set it aside. But think about when you grew up, maybe if you grew up in a church like me, it's interesting what we emphasize at this time of the year. I think back to Sunday school, and maybe the one thing that was emphasized the most was the virgin birth. Very important. But think of some of the other details that you learned. Being born in a manger, the miracle of a star, Herod killing the babies to kill the baby. No room at the inn. See, all of those are facts about what took place. And sometimes even we leap and go from the manger scene all the way to the cross. And and again, all of those things are not bad at all in themselves. They're very important. But but here's where I got to push you and go a little bit deeper here. See, we focus on and are reminded over and over again of the facts concerning Christmas. Again, the virgin birth. No room at the inn. That is the what of the story. The what. And then we also focus on why he came. And again, it's appropriate. We focus on what he did for us as a result of him coming. Have you ever heard the phrase, he was born to die? And See, we say it in a way, like, like Jesus came floating down, and then he went directly to the cross. See, but there's the what and the why, and it's great news, okay? I don't want to minimize it. But it's easy to realize the why and those things because we have a need. He came so that we might have life. The why? He came so that our sins can be forgiven. He came to set us free from sin that rules this world. But today, tonight, I want us to step back and ponder the who, the incarnate God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And as they're coming up, I got two statements for you just to consider here first. See, we can focus on all of the details surrounding the birth of Jesus, and we can still miss Jesus being the Son of God. We can focus on the what and the why of Christmas, and we forget the who. The who. So we're going to sing two songs here. First song, What Child Is This? And here's where you're in school right now, and I'm going to give you an assignment. I think it's simple enough. 
as you sing these songs, focus on this. The child that we're singing about was God. He was really God. God incarnate. That baby, he was God. And sing and ponder it and be amazed by it. That God become a man. Let it seep down into your soul when you sing. This is about the who. Put that lens on and let's sing. Some of you might be thinking, so what? Does the incarnation really make any difference? Does it really matter that much? What's the big deal? And I would say this, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, Let me tell you how I got to this issue. A while back, I was challenged in doing some reading. Uh, It was a writer by the name of Michael Reeves. He wrote a book called Delighting in the Trinity. But he was chasing this issue of the incarnation and its importance. And it left me with a sense of, oh my, this really is important. See, he was reminding his readers that when you forget the idea of the incarnation, when you forget the who, and only concentrate on the facts and the why, something changes in our faith. I want to put some statements on the screen that I've discovered. It's kind of a summary of a lot of the digging that I've been doing with with this writer and other areas as well. So if we don't realize, understand the reality of the incarnate Jesus, for some people this, Jesus becomes nothing more than a divine ambassador for God. That's it. Another one, for some people, I think this is the default, the main focus of Christianity becomes an emphasis on certain doctrines, certain beliefs, Let me give you another one. Some people, I think the default is this. The Christian life becomes about believing and living a certain ideology or worldview. And they forget the person. Just listen to the news these days. I don't know if you realize, there is a fight right now in the world out there in terms of which ideology we need to come under. What's the correct worldview? That's the battle right now. And many of the commentators on the news and different places ask the question, are they ever considering the incarnation in that issue? And you go, no. Does anybody ever bring up that Jesus is God in the political discussions? And what does it mean in the political world? See, the world is fighting over worldview, and do they care that the Son of God is God? And I go, I don't think so. Let me give you another one. If we don't realize the reality of the incarnate Jesus, Christianity defaults to overcoming the will and adopting a system of behaviors modeled by Jesus. Christianity is about behaving the right way. And let me give you a last one. For some people, I think this is the default. 
Love for Jesus is defined by morality, keeping, and social and church activism. Working hard for Jesus. That's the bottom line in faith. Representing Jesus in this world. But this baby in the manger is Emmanuel, God with us. He's not just some divine ambassador. He was God, he was God in the flesh. See, realize that people in this world and the church, people want to tame Jesus. A nice moral man. Now, they're willing to concede even that Jesus is an ambassador from God. Maybe even as an example to do good things in this world and change the world. But let me put up a hard reality on the screen for you tonight. People really don't want Jesus to be God. I think this is very true. Too many people don't want Jesus to be God. Let me tell you why. The answer. If he was God, it would mean that they might have to actually submit to him. If he's really God, then people would have to follow him and believe that he is the only path if they want to restore a relationship with the Father in heaven. See, when Jesus is God, faith becomes more than just a system of thought and a bunch of religious principles that you live by. The incarnation means that a man, a man who personally is God, has done things for us, but he is a man that was God. Yes, and and he's done, I got to acknowledge he's done so much for us. He's given us salvation. He gives us truth. He gives us life. But because he is God, that fact alone should shape our faith. Our definition of what faith is. See, for too many church people, conversion and salvation is exchanging one set of beliefs and ideas just for another set and to live a little bit differently. Can I give you a quote from Reeves, what he said about salvation? Really interesting. Look what it says. Salvation is about abandoning other loves for the love of this person. Who is this person referred to? Jesus Christ. Uh, Abandoning the things we're loving here and we're giving it to the Son, the incarnate God. It's not enough to believe that he came to do something for us. He invites us to love him, the person. We're called to love the incarnate baby, not just believe that it was a nice little baby that was born in the manger. We're called to follow the incarnate Jesus. And that's so much more than just knowing that he's going to grow up and do something for me. Now, you got to hear me. I don't want to minimize what Jesus has done for us. He was sent to be our Savior. And he did that. He came to set us free. He came to bring new life to us. So what he did was profound and it was life-changing. But the person of Jesus... Let me put another statement on the screen. You want the best Christmas ever? 
love and worship the incarnate Jesus, the Son of God. See, worship is ultimately more about the person of Jesus than just praising him for what he's done. For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, incarnate Jesus. You know, too often, the church, we've been off kilter in our worship. We've equated worship with singing songs that move us emotionally. Folks, feeling good while you sing might have nothing to do with real worship. Why? Because it might have nothing to do with Jesus, the incarnate God. And I don't know if you realize this with worship, that false worship is at the heart and the core of mankind's rebellion against God. Worshiping in the wrong way actually separates people from God. Let me show you a passage on this, Romans 1.25. Look how it reads here. Paul writes, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature, that was the created, rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. The core issue of sin is that we worship the creature, which is us, ourselves, rather than the creator, the son of God. See, the center of worship, the foundation of worship begins with who he is. Yes, we praise him for the things that he does. That is very appropriate. He saved us. He set us free to even worship him. But let me put another statement on the screen. I said it this way. Jesus deserves our worship because he is God and we are not. But here's what, I want to take a couple of minutes Dig in another text with you just real quickly here. From from John chapter 9, Jesus was walking along, walking through the countryside, and and he encounters a blind man who was blind from birth. And, And Jesus decides to heal this man. And the people are confounded. Who did this act As a matter of fact, the Pharisees, the context of this passage is the Pharisees were not happy that this guy actually was healed, that he could see now. And so they all start questioning people and they bring in actually his parents and they ask the parents, is this really your son? Was he really blind as from a child? And they go, yep, my son, he was blind from day one. And they get frustrated, so they bring in the blind man. And the blind man said, this guy healed me. And this is the context then in verse 34. Look how it reads. Some of the Jewish leaders were enraged and said, just who do you think you are to lecture us? You were born a blind, filthy sinner. So they threw the man out in the street. And when Jesus learned that they had thrown him out, he went to find him and said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? The man whose blind eyes were healed answered, Who is he, Master? Tell me so that I can place all my faith in him. And Jesus replied, You're looking right at him. He's speaking with you. It's me, the one in front of you now. Let me finish it this way. If Jesus is your Savior here tonight... He's done something profound for you. 
do you realize he has actually healed you from spiritual blindness? And that's far more prevalent and far more intense than even physical blindness. He's healed you. And I suspect that most of you are deeply grateful for what Christ has done for you. So he invites us to be even more grateful. But then not just get on with life. He invites us to continually worship him with our lives. Why? Because he's the son of God. Look at verse 38 again. Then the man threw himself at his feet and worshiped Jesus and said, Lord, I believe in you. Uh, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. Uh, We need to sing. And with our hearts, give God our love. But I suspect there's a number of groups of people in here even tonight Some of you might be stuck spiritually. And maybe so much of your life is about yourself. And you're worshiping the self. Or maybe you're someone, you know what? Years ago, you've walked away from Jesus. And right now, you feel really far from him. And he doesn't seem close can I say this to you if you're one of those people? Jesus wants to show himself to you. See, I don't know if you caught the nuance here. Look at verse 35 again. When Jesus learned they had thrown him out, he, it's Jesus, went to him. Jesus keeps seeking people. He keeps seeking us. If we're walking away from Christ, he keeps bugging us. If we've put our faith in him, he's not going to let you go. He wants to meet you. He wants to meet you. He wants to walk with you. See, for all of us, what if we made 2018 the best year ever, but the path is to live at the feet of Jesus, just like that blind man threw himself in front of Jesus? What if we began worshiping the incarnate son, the one who needs our love, wants our love, the one whom we obey truly, the one who needs to become important in our lives? But you know, I think there potentially there's another group of people here even tonight. And there might be a few here tonight that you really don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And I don't know if you know, but this passage has something profound for you. Look at the end of 35. Here was a man who had no clue about Jesus. And look what the statement, what he said. Do you believe in the Son of God? Jesus might be asking you that tonight. See, it's more than what he did to heal the man. Jesus said, I want you to believe in me. So he might be seeking you out. 
And maybe you're not sure that you really know him, but deep down there's maybe a little voice even right now in your soul that's going, I need to walk toward Jesus. I need to believe in him. And understand this, if that voice is going on, Jesus died for you and your sins. And he wants to give you life and he wants to take you and reunite you with the Father and give you a new spirit. And I'm going to stop and pray here. And if the voice is talking to you right now, here's what I'd invite you to do. While I'm praying, would you just whisper to God and say, God, I believe you. Jesus, I believe in you. I want to trust in you. And I admit that you died for my sinfulness. And that I'm separated, but I need you. And if you would be willing to pray that prayer, here's what I would invite you to do. Just email me. You can go on the website in the brochure that you had in front of you. My email is on that. And I'd love to have a cup of coffee or just get together and talk with you as well. But for all of us here, we need to respond and just sing. Sing to Jesus. He's the audience. God is the audience. We're the choir. Let's sing. Please stand if you're able.